Today, guys, uh, the message is called Good Stewards, all right? Good Stewards. And I'm going to be closing uh, the series that we started a few weeks ago, uh, the Beyond Blessed uh, series that we started. Last week, we had Pastor Kirk here, and uh, he was speaking about uh, generosity towards missions and really making a difference through that. And church, I want to honor you because you guys are making a difference not only here, but through in so many places. Next week, you're actually going to see a small video. Uh, remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about some girls in Dominican Republic that we, we actually picked up clothes for them and all you guys were, you know, bringing donations for them. And we sponsored a Christmas dinner for them. That happened yesterday. And uh, the videos and the pictures have been amazing. Babe, how many girls were there? Was like 40-something, 40 40-something 40 girls? 47 girls. 47 girls that were blessed by your generosity. So I want to let you know that when you give here at Numa Church, you're not giving to a church, you're giving through a church. That's important for you guys to understand, all right? We are blessing people and being uh, a blessing. Uh, last week with Pastor Kirk here, I want to let you know that over $2,000, okay, were picked up and given towards the work of those hope centers that are being uh, planted in, in, in India, the one in Africa. You guys are generous, can you guys give yourselves a hand clap this morning? Because you guys are making a difference through your generosity. Amen. So as I close this series here today, I want to I wanna speak about, you know, something that we actually launched last year. And I want to, uh, I know that there's people that have come in through the year and people that are, are watching. Uh, so we launched uh, this stewardship focus at the end of last year called FIRST. All right. And, and in that stewardship focus that we started actually on Thanksgiving service of last year, what we said is that in 2020, we were going to put God first in every area of our life. All right. We're going to put him first with our time, for example. Okay. I want to let you know that stewardship is not just on the finances. Stewardship has to do with everything. Okay. Some of us, okay, are being called to be better stewards of our time. Okay, we all have a certain amount of time that we're given each day. You know how many hours is that? 25, no, 24. <laughs> 24 hours. Nobody here gets more time than the other person. Now, sometimes you say, how come that person got so much done in that time? You know what that means? That they're good stewards of the time that they have. And when we said that we were going to put God first, okay, in every area, it means our time, church, as we finish this year and we're going into 2021, I want to encourage you that you would put God first with your time. That the first time of the day when you wake up, you give that time to the Lord. Now, you don't need to be, you know, locked up in a closet for one hour, you know, trying to pray and you're falling asleep. No, it could be 30 minutes. 30 minutes of prayer and Bible reading before you head out to work, before you work, head out to school. You know what? Make them first with your time. We said we were going to give them our time, that we were going to come to church and be committed in 2020. And little did we know that we were going to be locked down in 2020, you know. So, so every time we say that we're going to do something for God, guys, I want to tell you, we're going to be challenged in that. Every time that God says something or we make a commitment, you know what, that is going to be challenged to see if it's really going to happen. 
You know, and when you said at the end of last year, you know what, I'm going to make God first with my time. I'm going to make God first with my service and with my finances. The enemy's like, oh, really? You're going to do that? Well, I'm just going to throw a couple of wrenches, all right, or banana peels, you know, if you play uh, Mario Kart, you know, I play with my kids Mario Kart sometimes. And you see like the banana, Donkey Kong throwing them banana peels and you're like all over the place. The enemy says, you know what, I want to believe. I want to see if he's going to make God first with his time. I want to see if you're going to make God first in, 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 in coming to church and being in a small group. As we go into 2021, guys, let's tell the Lord today, Lord, I'm making you first. I'm making you first in every area. And I'm going to take advantage and participate of the different things that the church is doing. You know what, guys? It's not for you to be just part of a program. When we talk about coming to service, when we talk about being in small groups, it's you, okay, being part of what God is doing, connected and flowing and, and receiving the freedom that God wants you to receive. We told God that we were going to make him first in our service. When we talk about first, all right, Not only our time, but also with our service, which has to do with our time. We have our growth track going on. Actually, today is step two. And I have people that are here. I have people that are at home. That in all these years, we've been doing growth track now for four years. And you still might have not gone through it. I want to encourage you guys. In 2021, you say, you know what? I'm knocking this thing down. I'm going to go through it. I want to go through it because I want to discover what my purpose is in life. I want to know why I'm here on earth. And then when we talk about making him first in our lives, when you discover your purpose, you could, enjoy, you could join the precious dream team that we have here in Numa Church. Where are my dream teamers this morning? Any dream teamers out there this morning? Man, we had our dream team celebration on Friday. And it was amazing. It was a drive-in, all right? Now, it was a little bit of a wet drive-in. I wasn't counting on on the rain, but it was a drizzle. It was nice. You know, it wasn't like one of those Miami downpours, you know, from July. You know, we had a great time. We had uh, our dream teamers here, and we were able to honor them. Who's the dream team? Everybody, okay, that serves in this church. Everybody that serves in this church that has gone through the growth track, those are the people that are part of the dream team. And as we make God first in 2021, man, I want to encourage you. That you become part of the dream team. There's something that you bring to the table that I don't bring to the table. My wife doesn't bring to the table. Pastor Max doesn't bring it. Hera doesn't bring it. There's something unique about you. And you know what? The kingdom of God needs it. So we're putting God first in all these areas. And then in our finances. Okay? In our finances as well. Okay? We're going to put God first in our finances. And number one... First and foremost, in our tithe, okay? Like I said a few weeks ago, okay, you don't give your tithe, you bring your tithe, okay? Because you can't give something that is not yours, all right? What is not yours, you bring it. If you have a sweater that's mine, I'm not going to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to tell you, bring my sweater. You've had that thing at home. You know that sometimes I loan books and I forget to who I loan the books to? Now I started writing a list, you know, of who I lend the books to because I sort of forget who has my stuff out there, you know. And, uh, and the other day, there was one that I really needed to read for something. And I, I called that person. I'm like, listen, bring it. I need it. Why? Because it's mine. And God says, bring the ties to the storehouse because it's his. All right. And we're going to make God first with the ties. And then we made this commitment, 
okay, to really go after God and give beyond our tithes and offerings. And listen to this, on that Thanksgiving service, all right, we had 186 people. 186 people that are part of this congregation say, you know what, I'm going to make a financial commitment. Now, you're never going to see me if you're new, you're connected online, you're here. You're never going to see me, you know, doing like an auction. Like, okay, I need 10 people that will give $1,000, 20 that will give to, no, 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 no. What I'm going to say is, hey, you know what, I want you to pray, connect with the Holy Spirit. And whatever he tells you to give, that's what you got to give. Because that's between you and him. And you know what, when you make a commitment to God, you're going to follow through easier than if you make a commitment to me. That's the honest truth. But we made that commitment to God and we decided we're going to go through that. But little did we know, guys, little that we know that we were going to have to deal with COVID this year. We were going to deal with sickness. We were going to deal with job loss. We were going to deal with all these different things that were thrown our way. And some of us got sidetracked in putting God first. Some of us got sidetracked with this whole commitment thing. So what do we do? We're extending it to June of next year. Why? Because, man... When I make a commitment to God, I want to finish that. I want to go through with that. Now, we know that when we give, God blesses us. I want to tell you that. When we give, God blesses us. When we give with the right heart. When we give with the right heart, God blesses us. In the same way, okay, that God blesses you when you give with generosity, I want to let you know that God blesses when you handle your finances biblically and become a good steward. In the same way, God will bless, okay? Becoming a good steward, listen to what I'm going to say, is something that we work at. It doesn't come naturally. You know, as a parent, sometimes, you know, if you're a parent, your kid will ask for something, you know, to eat. And they just have like the munchies, but they won't really finish it. And they think they can just throw the rest away. And you're like, hey, 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 wait up. <laughs> you don't know how much, you know, we have to work hard in order to have all these things. You just don't open the refrigerator and things magically appear. You know what I'm saying? Some of our children might think that. But no, you work for it. So you teach them to be what? Good stewards. You know, you just don't walk into Walmart or Target into all these stores and just get whatever you want. No. There's, there's a process. There's work. Hello. Some of you guys have to work long hours in order to have a paycheck to provide the things you have at home. You don't have those things just for them to be thrown away halfway. You know, so this stewardship thing is something that we work at. We learn to become good stewards. We learn to become good stewards. And I want to challenge you. You want to become a good steward? We have a small group in this church Okay, a financial peace a small group. Any of you guys have gone through that financial peace small group? Raise your hand. Okay, that financial peace small group. Actually, I have Shafiq back there. Shafiq, can you put your hand up real quick? That gentleman right there, he's one of our small group leaders, and he leads that financial peace small group. If you are interested in putting your finances in order to start the year, talk to him at the end of the service. Ask him, listen, how do I sign up for this? How do I do that? Or you could see Paola, she's my assistant, or call here during the week. You know what? We need to work at it. We need to become good stewards. You know, at the end of 2014, our church was going through a financial crisis. In June of 2015, we needed to refinance the loan on this building. It was what they call a balloon payment. What that means is that you either refinance or you pay the total amount that is left on the debt. 
And the total amount that was left on the debt at that moment was $3.2 million. Now, stewardship had not been a strength of this church. And I had to learn stewardship. And I remember at the end of 2014 when we're going through the numbers and I met Pastor Kirk and I met uh, Robert Miller and all these people, we started to make decisions in order to become good stewards. And I remember that Robert and Esperanza would sit down and go through all the contracts that we had here at church. From the contract of the people that do the lawn to the contract of the copy machine. <laughs> that copy machine contract, man, that's like from the pit. You know what I'm saying? It smells like smoke. I don't even know who had negotiated that contract, but it was, it was longer than a car lease. You know what I'm saying? Or a thing that just spits out paper, you know? Like, so Robert and Espy started to go into detail, into everything, and squeeze every penny. And make sure that we would become good stewards. See, because we have been for many years, you know, just dragging debt. Anybody have been dragging debt for time? It's horrible. It's horrible when you start a new year and you still got this bunch of debt on top of you. And you feel that you're in a hole and you can't get out of it. It's horrible to live like that. And that's how we were as a church. I remember I would call Evelyn to find out on Monday how the offerings and the tithes had been during the weekend. Because whatever came in was already gone. Because we were coming from behind. We had been behind for three months in the mortgage payment late on different payments, we were about $110,000 behind. And I remember when we took this whole stewardship mentality and started to put order. And we said, you know what? We're going to do this for this cause campaign. And we're going to go after what God has promised us. And we're going to raise the funds and we're going to keep the building. But we need to put order. Guess what happened? From November of 2014 to the beginning of the campaign in March of 2015... That $110,000 that we were in red was completely gone. God miraculously blessed a good stewardship. God miraculously blessed us being so detailed and going into every area. Actually, by the time that we started the For This Cause campaign, we were at a surplus. I have some great news for you guys, church. Since January of 2015, we have never been late on a payment in this place. Not a payment to FPL, not a payment to water and sewer, not a payment to the mortgage, not a payment on, on the salaries of this place, not one. But it took what? It took stewardship. Can you say that with me? Stewardship. It took good stewardship. Now, it's not just doing a budget, because a lot of us think, okay, stewardship has to do with doing a budget. No, it's getting our finances in order. Doing a budget is part of it. And a lot of us come from the Latin culture that we don't even think about budgets. You know, where it's like, okay, how much did I make this week? This much. Okay, I could spend that much. No, you cannot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just because you have $1,000 in your bank account doesn't mean that you can spend $1,000. Maybe half of that is already spent anyways, you know what I'm saying? With different commitments that you got. So we got to be smart about this. Listen, the difference between ownership and stewardship, I want to give you that. The difference between ownership and stewardship, okay, is that when you're a steward, 
you could live without the financial stress. What does that mean, pastor? Okay, that when you're the owner, oh, there's a certain stress that comes with that. When you're the owner, you see, you're required to be the one in charge. When you're a steward, you're not the one in charge. How do I know that, pastor? I'm going to give you an example. There's a townhouse that my wife and I, we have in Homestead. It was the first house that we lived in seven years, you know. Actually, we bought it in pre-construction before we got married. And we have it rented out. We have a tenant, somebody that lives there. But you know what happens? Every time that something breaks down, guess what happens? Who gets the call? You know who gets the call? We get the call. Because we're the ones that are in charge because we are the owner. The person that lives there doesn't have to worry about repairing it. All they have to worry about is calling. And I'm the one that has to send the AC guy to fix it up. I'm the one that needs to see how we repair the refrigerator. I'm the one that has to see how we send an electrician. Why? Because the burden falls on me. When you're the owner, the burden falls on you. Now, when you're the steward and you become a good steward, you can live stress-free. How many of you guys want to live stress-free going into 2021 with your finances? Raise your hand. Oh, I'm going to double raise my hand. And those that are not raising your hand, I want your blessing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man, I, I want to live financially stress-free. I want to let you know that when God owns it, he fixes it. When God owns it, he fixes it. Now, if you own it, oh, it's going to cost you trouble. It's going to cost you headaches. So today, with the time that I have left, I want you guys to come with me to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. You see, this is a parable that we're going to read that I'm sure you might have gone through. This is a parable of the talents. All right? And a parable in the Bible is a story. Jesus is saying a story. All right? And it's a story about stewardship. A story about stewardship, okay? Jesus is going to talk to us about how to handle money, all right? Very important. If we want to know how to handle money, man, the best person to hear it from is from Jesus, okay? And he's going to tell us how to handle money. And listen, before we get into that reading, because a lot of times we use the parable of the talents to talk about abilities, about gifts that God has given us. And that's all good, but that's not the primary focus of the story. Jesus is talking about money, and you're going to see it today. All right? So Matthew 25, and I'm going to be reading verse 14 through 28. I'm going to read the modern English version here. Okay? Matthew 25, 14 through 28. And I'm going to be stopping along the way because I want to highlight some things that I want you guys to be aware of. Everybody there? You guys good? You guys at home? Give me a feedback. No feedback from home, but I know you guys are there, all right? So Matthew 25, 14, it says like this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like, and Jesus, I want you to stop right there. Jesus is going to tell us how the kingdom of heaven is. Jesus is going to tell us how the kingdom of heaven is. I think if somebody could tell us who the, how the kingdom of heaven is, is Jesus. Because he's the son of God. And Jesus says, nobody has ever caught, gone into heaven. They've come from heaven. Me, the son of man. And Jesus is going to tell us how heaven is in this area. You know that in the book of Matthew, he uses 11 times the phrase, and the kingdom of heaven is like. 
And this is the 11th time that he uses it. It's the last time that he uses it. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country. That's him. Who called his own servants. Who did he call? His own servants. Pay attention. He did not call the unbelievers. He called the Christians. He called those that he's in covenant with. He called his own servants. And it says, and entrusted his goods to them. Whose goods? Whose goods? His goods. All of us could answer in a loud voice. His goods. He goes on a trip. He entrusts his servants, the Christian, with his goods. To one, he gave five talents. Okay, and in a moment, guys, I'm going to tell you actually how much that is. Because you're like, one talent, what in the world is that? You know, I'm going to explain that in a moment here. To another, two. And to another, one. Now, as I would read this as a young person, I would be, that's kind of unfair. I was like, why did one get five, the other guy get two? And this poor dude at the end, he only gets one. Why did he get one? And here is why. Look at the next part of that verse. It says, to every man according to his ability. Oh, <laughs> it has to do with the capacity. It has to do with the ability. It has to do with how they're going to handle what's being given to them. And it says, and immediately, okay, this man took on his journey. And he who received the five talents went and traded with them. Okay, that word trade right there, guys, you guys that are at home, that word trade means to do business. That man took the five talents, and it means that he enacted in business. Listen, he did business with them, with what the Lord gave him. And he took the five talents and went and traded with them and made another five talents. So also, he who had received two gained another two. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his, watch this, his master's money. Whose money? His master's. The Lord's money that was entrusted to them. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. I want you to stop right there. It says that the master came and did what? He settled accounts with them. Do you know that one day Jesus is going to come back? And I think that the church has sort of lost focus of that. But I want to tell you something. Jesus is going to come back. And one of the things that he's going to do when he comes back, listen to what it says here. He's going to settle accounts. And one of the things he wants to know is how you handled money. He wants to know how you handled his money. That's part of it. And then it says this, He who had received five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, Master, you entrusted to me five talents. Look, I have gained five talents more. And his master said to him, watch this, guys. Well done, you good and faithful servant. 
I want you guys to look at me for a second. How many of you guys have heard that phrase before? Raise your hand. How many of you guys have said, I want the Lord to say that about me when I die and I encounter him? Raise your hands, because I've said that. Okay. I have some news for you. That the people who hear, well done, good and faithful servant from the Lord are people that are good stewards. This is the only part in all of Scripture that Jesus says that to somebody, and it has to do with the way they handled money. We think it has to do with our service to God, that it has to do with the times that we spend worshiping or praying or giving to, you know, to that. It has to do with our stewardship, that we will hear those words. And now I see you guys looking at me a little funny. I see you guys looking like, Pastor, you know, I think maybe you're like a little off on. I, I want you to hold on a second and, and just keep on reading with me. The Lord says, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you the ruler over many things. Then enter the joy of your master. He who had received two talents also came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more talents beside them. His master said to him, Well done, you, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter the joy of your master. Notice that the guy with the two talents hears the same thing of the guy with the five talents. Why is that important? Because it has nothing, pay attention, it has nothing to do with the amount, it has to do with the ability. Some of us say, is that that person, of course, he has all that money so he can make all that difference. No, it has nothing to do with the amount. It has to do with what do you do with what's been given to you. And that's important that, that, that we understand. The one with a smaller amount can still hear, well done. Oh, I want to hear that. I want to hear that, well done. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Master, I know that you are a hard man. Listen to this guy's understanding of God. Listen to this guy's understanding of Jesus, because sometimes that's the same understanding that we have of God. You're a hard God. You've made me go through all these things. You're a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not spread or winnow. So I was, what does it say there? I was what? Afraid. I was afraid. Oh, so in other words, fear drove him to not be generous and to not be a good steward. A lot of times it's fear that paralyzes us not to do with God's money what he's calling us to do. And this man says, I was afraid and I went and I hid your talents. Now remember, okay, that a talent is a sum of money. We're going to see that in a moment. I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. And his master answered, you wicked and lazy servant. Oh man, those are words that we do not want to hear, guys. <laughs> I mean, I remember hearing from my teacher sometimes, Garcia, you're being lazy. You know what I'm saying? But I do not want to hear that from Jesus, you know? You wicked and lazy servant. Who do we have here? Somebody that's not a good steward. Somebody that was not a good steward. You knew that I reap where I did not sow. And gather where I have not winnowed. 
then you ought to have given, pay attention again, my money. Jesus calls it my money. Jesus is talking about money. And he's saying it's my money. You should have given my money to the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has, what? Ten talents. I'm going to give you the definition of stewardship. I want you guys to write this down. The definition of stewardship is the management of the property of someone else. Stewardship is easy. It's the management of the property of somebody else. Here are my three points, and they're super fast today. Number one, write this down. I am not the owner. And we talked about this two weeks ago, but I felt that I needed to come back to this point because this is the mindset that we have to break. This mindset of ownership and stewardship. Point number one, I am not the owner. Now, two weeks ago, we read Psalm 24. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's. And all that it contains. We also read Psalm 50. Psalm 50 says, you know, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Now, in verse 12 of Psalm 50, and we don't have to go through it. I, I, I mentioned something when God says, if I was hungry, I would not tell you. And I love that scripture. I love that scripture because what, what God is saying is, if, if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat one of my cows that is on your property. That's what God is saying. If I was hungry, I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to take one of my things because they're mine. It belongs to me. My fish. My chickens. <laughs> my vegetables. Okay? It belongs to him. God owns it all. 1 Corinthians 10, 26. It says, for the earth is the Lord's. That's in the New Testament now. The one we read a few weeks ago, Psalm 24, Old Testament, New Testament, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, all that it contains. I want to talk to the ladies real quick. Ladies, how many of you ladies, at some point in your life, your husband, okay, or maybe even before you got married, you have a diamond, raise your hand. Ladies, you have a diamond maybe on your ring, you know, your wedding band, your wedding ring, ladies, all right? The ones that are future, going to get married, okay, I pray that... Your fiancé will give you a good diamond, all right? You saying amen over there, Marcela? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I want to let you know this morning, ladies, that that diamond that you have in your ring or in a bracelet, whatever it is, okay, it came from God's carbon, And you might be saying, what? Guys, that metal that you drove to church this morning, pastor, don't call my car metal. No, it's made of metal, all right? That metal that you drove to church this morning, it could say Ford or it could say Mercedes. It came from God's ore. Oh, <laughs> that clothes that you and I are wearing today, Okay, it came from God's plants or animals. That house in which you lived, that you might have remodeled the kitchen like Pastor Kirk was saying last week, you know. 
or you might have done an addition, or you might have done something. I want to let you know that that house is made with God's rocks. It's made with his wood coming from his trees, okay, with his iron. Like, oh, pastor, I'm getting to see this now, all right? If you have a pearl, okay, my wife has a pearl necklace that is beautiful. I want to let you know that that pearl came from an oyster, Okay, that it was at the bottom of the sea, and God's sand got inside God's oyster and irritated it and created a pearl which you might have now around your neck. But it's not yours. It's God's. It comes from him. Can you imagine when you and I look at God and we say we're the owner of something? <laughs> He's like, oh, for real? You own that? <laughs> Even the money, it's hilarious. Even the money that you might have in your wallet right now is made from paper from God's trees. So at the end of the day, it's like, what can we claim? What can we claim as ours? You know, the problem that we have, okay, and I know that there's some teenagers in the room, but a lot of times we're like teenagers, you know. What's that teenager mentality, okay? What's the problem with the teenagers, that they think everything in the house is theirs and they can do whatever. I'm like, no, this is not your house because we pay the bills. <laughs> we pay for the mortgage. We pay for the light. We pay for the water. You live here. Okay, but this is our house. Okay, and I remember having a conversation one day. We're in the car with the kids and I told my wife, babe, one day when the kids move out, man, I'm going to sell my house and buy a little apartment at the beach, a two-bedroom apartment. I'll sell my house and move to a little too better. And, and they were like, Daddy, you're going to wait for us to move out? I'm like, exactly. It's going to be fun. I was with your mother before you came, and I'm going to be with your mother after you leave. You know what I'm saying? You know? The teenager mentality that we have, you know what I'm saying? We all go through these stages. Kid, you're a youth, a kid, all right, then adolescent, and then an adult. What is the problem? What is the problem? Here's the problem. When somebody doesn't transition from being a kid to a teenager to an adult, and they stay all their lives thinking as a kid, this is mine, and that toy, that's mine, and this, this is mine, and the Lord says, hey, wait up a second, man. I need you to mature here, man. I need you to think as an adult, all right? When do we start thinking as adults, as Christians, when we understand that nothing is mine, that everything is his? That's when we transition to a mature mentality. All right? Number two, I am a steward. Write that down. I am a steward. God started everything with stewardship. Adam and Eve, okay, God gave them stewardship over the whole garden. And God told them, listen, you could eat from all the trees that are here. The worship team, you guys could come up. You guys could eat from all these trees, everything that we have here. But that tree right there in the middle of the garden, that tree, you know what God told them? That one's mine. Every time you walk by that tree, Adam, I want you to remember that you're a steward and that this garden is mine. Actually, this is how... How, how, how serious this is that when the enemy, and pay attention to this. This is very, very important. You know what was the lie of the enemy? If you eat 
from that tree, you will be like God. Pay attention. If you eat from that tree, you will be like God. You know what the enemy was telling the man? This is what he was telling Adam. You no longer will be a steward. You'll be an owner. If you eat from that tree, you become part owner. And you know what God did? When he ate from the tree, he got kicked out. This is not yours. It's mine. The Lord took that. Now, remember a second ago that I told you that I was going to tell you the whole thing about the talent and how much that was? How much was a talent? Okay, as we close this morning, I want to let you know how much is a talent because I want you guys to understand this parable and what the Lord is saying here. A talent, okay? The talent was the same amount in Bible times, listen to this, of 10,000 denarii. 10,000 denarii. Jesus would talk about denarii, okay? A talent was 10,000 denarii. One denarii was the wages of one person working for one day. One denarii was the wages of a person working for one day. And a talent was 10,000 denarii. Okay, you mathematicians, stay with me here. Because I want you to understand this, okay? When the Lord gave that gentleman one talent, okay, he was giving him an equivalent of 33 years of work's worth. 33 years of work's worth in one talent. Because a denarii was what? A denarii, okay, was the wages of one day. 10,000 denarii, when you multiply that, you calculate that, it will give you 33 years. The same age, our Lord. Listen, in the time of Jesus, a man would start working at 17. And he would retire at 50. And like, Pastor, I would like to retire at 50. Their lifespan was for like 55, all right? So it's not that good. Like, hey, that sounds like a good deal. Man, the guy's going to die like in five years already, you know? They were worked from 17 to 50. If you do the math, 33 years. Why is this important? Because I don't want you to feel bad when you think of the guy that got one talent. The guy that got one talent got the wages of one whole lifetime of work. You imagine that? The guy that got two talents got two lifetimes of work. And the guy that got five talents, he probably played for the Miami Heat or something. You know what I'm saying? He got five lifetimes of work. Those are like athletes, you know. Today we're playing against Patrick Mahomes. He has contract. Patrick Mahomes' contract is not that big. $500 million for 10 years. Half a billion dollars on a football player. I hear the silence. That's the same thing when I saw him sign that contract, you know. God gave, pay attention, I'm closing. God gave each of those guys enough for them to live a whole lifetime. God gave each of these guys enough to live a whole lifetime according to their ability. According to their ability. And I want you to know that maybe you're at a point in your life today that you're like, Pastor... Because I want you to know, when I married my wife, my ability is not the same that I have now. You grow in your ability. You grow in your capacities. I was hearing a story this week 
of a guy that he was working for a company and he got fired. And he decided to go back home and listen to what this guy did. True story. What this guy did, he decided to read one book a day for one whole year. For one whole year, he decided not to go look for work. Read one book a day for one whole year. 365 books he read. And then he went back to look for work after one year. You know what happened? His worth was three times as much as when he got fired. Why? Because they pay you for your capacity and your ability. I want you to think about that for a second. You get paid for your ability. The more education, the more capacity, the greater your gifting, the better wages. You get paid for what you know. You get paid for what you do. Okay? So, when it says here that they heard, well done, good and faithful servant. Five of you can start playing. God is judging, listen to this, but by what he's given you. Not what he gave somebody else. Stop looking at what the other people have around you as far as material stuff. God's going to judge you according to what he's given to you. And that's what you're called to be faithful with. What's the problem? Here's the problem. When many people have five talents, all right, and they give like if they only had one talent. That's a problem. Now, what happens is somebody has one talent and they give like the person that has two or has five you know what happens god does things god does things so as we close this morning the third point i want you to write this down it's the question am i a good steward that's my closing point am i a good steward after hearing all this that you heard am i a good steward that's a question that you need to ask yourself. How are you stewarding what God has given you? And Luke 12, there's a story, and I'm just going to read it real fast. Verse 16, it says, And Jesus told them another parable. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have no room to store my crops. Then he said, This I will do. I will pull down my barns and build greater ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take rest, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then Whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You see, this guy said, my crops, my barns, my goods. But he did not get reprimanded. Pay attention, it's for making a lot of money. He did not get reprimanded for wanting to throw down his barns and build greater ones. He didn't even get reprimanded for storing it. He got reprimanded for living for himself and not living for the kingdom of God. Being a good steward has to do with being a good administrator of something that belongs to God. 
and that you understand that God wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing to others. That is what good stewardship is about, understanding that he is the owner and I'm only an administrator of everything he's given us. So I want you to close your eyes this morning. You guys at home, I want you to close your eyes real quick. And this question that I just asked, I want you to marinate on it for a second. The last question, am I a good steward? As we close 2020, we have two more Sundays to close this year. I want you to think about who's first in your life. And I want you to take a look back and see what kind of steward have you been in 2020. And if there's any adjustments, modifications that you need to make going into 2021. I'm not here to judge anybody. The Lord is full of mercy. He is good. He'll give you new opportunities. But you know what? Let's take those opportunities and make them count. So there with your eyes closed, just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you telling me through this message? What are you speaking to me this morning? And let them speak to your heart right there where you're at. I want you to put your hand over your heart this morning. And there were your eyes closed just for a moment. Just tell the Lord, Lord, search my heart. Search my thoughts, Lord. Allow me to please you with everything that you've put in my charge. Allow me, Lord, to be a good steward. Allow me to manage your talents well, Lord. I want you to tell the Lord, Lord, increase my capacity. Increase my ability. Tell the Lord, Lord, I'm going to do whatever it takes to increase my capacity. I want you to be able to trust me, Lord, with what you've put in my hands. And I want to understand, Lord, tell him this. I want to understand, Lord, that it's not mine, that it's yours. Use me, Lord, to be a good and faithful servant with what is yours. And there with your eyes closed, heads bowed, if there's anybody in this room this morning or anybody watching through that camera, that has never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity right now. I want you to be able to leave this place or close this transmission this morning sure that you have eternal life, sure that you have a relationship with God, and maybe you've fallen away from Him. 
today you could come back to God. You could come back to him right there where you're at. So all those that want to make that decision of inviting Christ into their heart or to walk back to the Lord, I want you with your eyes closed, head bowed to repeat this with me. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for living a perfect life and dying for me on the cross. Today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I ask you for forgiveness for all my sins. Wash me clean, Lord. And make me a son or daughter of God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And allow me to live for your kingdom and your purposes all the days of my life. From this moment forward, in Jesus' name. And we all say, amen.